You are listening to Down Home. Humble backgrounds is one of the reasons that me, Jay Jones, and Chad Burns are close friends. We all grew up with family that worked hard to make sure that we had a roof over our heads and that we never went without food or clothing. We may not have been brought up with a lot of material wealth, but we were rich with family and love. In my late teenage years, the roots of our friendships really started to grow. This was also the time when I really started to notice how hard my mother worked to improve our lives by furthering her career. Together with my stepfather, they were able to build a comfortable life for us, a life that looked a lot different to when I was a child. Thank you, Mom and Peter, for all your hard work. In this episode, me, Jay, and Chad talk about our experiences growing up in modest, low-income households. Welcome to Down Home, the Nova Scotian experience from two black men. Unless some crazy, crazy trade comes up. Whenever we get together, there's always a discussion about sports. It just so happens that this podcast was taped just before the NBA trade deadline. And we were talking about whether or not the Raptors were going to be left intact. Then you see what you can work with and see how much money you have left. But he's a cornerstone in the franchise. Well, the other you thing know. is you want to keep Siakam happy, right? And those two exactly. guys are, yeah. are, are Scotty good Burns. friends. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, keeping him around. Yeah, yeah, and they were saying they could get three first-round picks from Brooklyn for Ananobi. Really, you never know. I mean, wow, he's a man. hot commodity commodity of that two-way player. But right now, he's hurt, so I don't know the extent. Yeah, of, I, I don't know the extent. Still, yeah. though, I think somebody will pick him up. Yeah. Definitely. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, absolutely. That's anyway, the news. So uh, we're talking about growing up in a low-income family. Um. Which, you know, uh, as you guys know, I think it's relevant these days because of uh, the way interest rates have gone, the the price of food as well. There's probably a lot of people out there that are even listening to this podcast that um, have to make a decision. Okay, well, am I going to pay my mortgage or am I going to buy groceries this week kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. And fortunately, we all of us are not in that situation anymore. Right. But we kind of grew up in that situation, which is interesting, man. Um, and like thinking back, I was talking to Vanessa about this today. Um, you know, on paper, my family actually sounded good. Like my, I, I, we lived with our, our, our grandparents. My grandfather was a structural, structural engineer, which basically worked in uh, boiler rooms. Right. And my aunt Jean was a nurse, but there were so many people living in that house, man. <laughs> there was my grandmother, my grandfather, there was me, my mother, Corey, my aunt, and uh, another aunt, all in the same house, wow. right? And that there was basically only two wage earners. Right. Right. So, so I, you had I, two families, essentially. Yeah, well, well, two and a half families living in one, and the house seemed big at the time. Because that's what you grew up in, right? Mm-hmm. Right. But uh, do, do you guys remember those challenges with food back Absolutely. in the day, man? <laughs> yeah. Well, I had 
I had two incomes as well. My my mom and my stepdad, they were both in banking, but mm. my mom had some health challenges earlier in my life. So then we were down to one income. So that's when things became tougher Yeah, for us. And so having one income and, you know, it was an average salary, I guess, but having one income on an average salary, trying to support a family of four, um, you know, wasn't ideal. Not that mm. we were super poor by any means, but, you know, we grew up in, in a lower income area and it, it was what it was, but you know, it's, um, it's what we knew, just like you say. Right. So yeah. Mm. Food was I, a challenge though. Yeah, yeah it was. Um, I remember, you know, being raised by my great grandparents. I, I never really thought about money, uh, growing up, uh, um, never thought about it and never really thought about, there always seemed to be things there. So I, it, it was like, it was almost like shielded from the outside world, you know? Uh, but I could tell that, uh, we grew up in a, you know, a blue collar neighborhood and, um, you know, it was a small home. Lots of lots of family members would come by all the time, uh, but I, I don't I don't really recall challenges that much uh, as far as food goes. Like there always really? seemed to be. Yeah, there <clears throat> there was. There was always a fifty pound bag of potatoes in the in the pantry. Yeah. There was always. Um, yeah, I would say yeah. the same. Like, like I, food of some food was never food never seemed to be an issue really because I was always getting fed at at at, at least right. that and you know yeah. I was the least of the worries. I mean, I was also very young growing up with my great grandparents so i didn't necessarily see it but as i got older into heading into my teenage years yeah um, that's when the the reality yeah. sort of set in and realized that i was yeah a low income house because i'm pretty sure there was only one uh and i think my grandfather must have been he was 73 when i was born so he must have been already on his old on age. his pension on pension yeah. yeah and serving in the military i think he got something from that as well mm. And uh, I, being the head deacon at the church and running the, the the old age center there, I think there was some sort of stipend kind of thing he probably got got on a weekly basis. But uh, he yeah. always seemed to have money, um, yeah. and we owned our own house. Right. It was mind you, it was a two bedroom bungalow, but uh, mm. you know it was it seemed like on on paper everything seemed like it was normal. So Jay, though, when you were growing up, though, just like me, there was a lot of people in that house, though, right? There was, yeah. There were times when I was a young, young kid. I remember sleeping in a, a drawer dresser yeah. as a bed. Really? <laughs> yeah, because I was small, right? And then I can remember, you know, some cousin, the cousins would be messing up, <laughs> trying to push the doors. The... <laughs> I must have four. That was before like the that. coupon was invented. Yeah, that's very much so. And uh, get off my futon. But anyway, um, that was like, I get off my couch. Yeah, get off my couch. Yeah, I was trying to make it uh, friendly. But um, uh, yeah, no, there was lots of that. And there was always, in my younger years, there was always lots of people there. A lot of people sleeping on the floors and sharing right. one bedroom and everything like that. But the it seemed like there was so much... Uh, you know, even D, you said it seemed so much bigger in your house, I, but it, I don't want to sound corny, but it seemed like it was bigger because there was it was it was filled, like you know what yeah. I mean. 
and uh, it was filled with people and action and yeah. you know all these things and you know I I do remember those those memories from childhood mm. yeah the uh, I think the you don't realize that you're I think the the terms called food insecurity that's what they call it right um, not you know not but I don't think you realize how insecure you are about the next meal until you're older and you realize shit you know. There were points where I was eating oatmeal three times a day. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. when yeah. when I moved out with when it was just me and mom, and I was like eight eight years old, and we moved up here to Ontario. There were times where um, we ate oatmeal three times a day. But the thing is, like at in the moment, you don't realize you're young, right? And yeah. and, and children are so are so um, adaptable. Mm-hmm. that absolutely and, yeah and we don't know but then it's when you're older like like uh chad was saying like when you're older you re- kind of realize shoot man <laughs> yeah you know well and that's that's when it started to dawn and the thing is you start to realize how maybe not uh high income uh, uh bracket is because you're eating a lot of the same foods <laughs> that other people weren't necessarily eating like for us it was like a lot of bologna you mm-hmm. know what i mean that was there right. was always a hunk of bologna in the fridge and there was Absolutely. whenever i i whenever i fried bologna sandwiches yeah yeah and and <laughs> yeah. child care was an you know you know you didn't uh because i used to go home at five years old and and go in and eat my lunch and i had a key around my neck so you know yeah. say say if uh you know back then i guess they never thought about childcare like they do now, but I no. definitely guarantee we weren't in the in the market for paying for that for me if that was the case. And mm. you know, I think and, I was the same. My yeah. my parents when they were both working, they were they weren't home much, and so you go back and forth from school. And even even aside from food, just in general, kids would be you know when we were like eight ten years old, like we'd go out at eight o'clock and come home at ten o'clock and. Mm. You'd never check in and, mm. you know, nowadays that's crazy. You would never, you know, parents would never let that happen. Yeah. So um, when was that moment that you kind of, cause we're talking about how, when you're in it, you don't kind of, you realize that it's, it's a low income household. But when was that moment that you said, Oh shoot, man, I, I grew up differently than some of the people that I'm around. Do, do you guys remember? For me, it was, um, uh, I think I was talking to you about this, Jay. I I had a friend in in um, in uh, I think it was like grade five, and I I we cleaned out a room in my in my grand grandparents' uh, basement, and um, we I used to invite him over and I say you should come over for lunch, and you say yeah sure, but the thing is though, mom used to give me like a dollar for lunch, and I used to go and get a, like fries. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> At like uh, Randy's Fish and Chip Shop on a Grigola there. I used to get fries for lunch. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And um, I remember him telling me, yeah, I can do that every now and then. But my mother wants me to eat real food. (laughs) (laughs) I think I was like, oh, shoot. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) When was that moment for you guys, man? I think um, probably two different scenarios. One is when. You know, for the most part, we always had food of some sort. It wasn't that big of a deal. Sometimes the fridge was fuller than others, right? But I remember making like 
finding taco shells and flakes of ham and trying to make a taco with flakes of ham because that's all that was there at the time. Yeah. So that was one thing I was like, yeah, that's not, I don't know if that's quite normal, like thinking about it. (laughs) Yeah. And then I'd say another time is when, you know, me and Jay started going to school at um, uh, Springville uh, Junior High. Major Stevens. Uh, Major Stevens. Um, I think that was a time where you'd see, you know, in a better neighborhood and you'd go to your friend's house for lunch and they're, in their neighborhood and you would see, okay, this is, this is how the other half lived, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was eye opening, I would say for me. Yeah. I, I would agree, Chad, like stepping into Springvale, the houses all of a sudden got bigger. Mm. Um, and then, uh, yeah, you know, everyone, everyone like the, 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 the middle, like Springvale was a middle-class neighborhood, mostly predominantly white and, um, mm-hmm. considered upper class and, uh, people were dressing differently uh you know and uh all of a sudden you know you could get away with it in elementary school that hand me down but i felt like oh man how am i gonna fit in here everyone looks so crisp and new shoes crisp sneakers <laughs> yeah man yeah. like new shoes and new sneakers and i remember for me and chad like whenever we got a pair of sneakers it was like oh man we'd be celebrating outside playing basketball <laughs> like we just won a war oh, yeah. you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. you would i mean you would you would play better ball you would <laughs> You would feel better about yourself (laughs) when you had new things. But I think being exposed to that neighborhood kind of opened our eyes to say, we want more than what we have. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think uh, for me, it was, you know, I, I couldn't afford to get those new sneakers and stuff. So my brother had a job. So anytime he had new kicks in the house, I would just steal his sneakers. (laughs) And even though there was like, instead of size eight, it was size 11. I'd still wear them and I'd be getting a big fight later on, but. I wanted mm-hmm. I wanted to fit in in that in that neighborhood, and I think even till this day, you think back you think back to, you know, those insecurities when you're in junior high, and some of those things still exist. So that, you know, in in today's life, you know, you're still thinking, you know, I got I always got to have food in the fridge. It's always got to you know have lots to eat, and and um, it affects you now for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a long term thing. Like you mm-hmm. never really sort of from your humble beginnings, you're sometimes you're still that person inside no matter what oh no yeah matter, no matter how much success you attain you definitely yes. are and walking into like sort of uh, i used to go to this guy uh rick rick's house all the time uh yeah and uh you walk into his pantry and there was just like all the junk food that you know every once in a while we get like at home be some cookies or some pound cake there was always but you walk in his there was chips and yeah and the, the wagon wheels stuff. yeah and just like all this you know the, yeah. the world of processed food but back then to us like these are all the things that we saw in commercials and yeah. you know watching cartoons and meant damn i wish i had a bowl of lucky charms you know <laughs> instead of uh uh, shredded wheat. The difference or... <laughs> is that stuff would last in his house. It wouldn't last in my house. No, yeah, of course. That'd be yeah, gone the... in like a couple of days. Yeah, yeah because if stuff, it's there, yeah. it's gone. Yeah, that's, gone. Yeah. that's the mentality. <laughs> be like, we better get this now or else it's yeah. going to be gone. So it's that that thrill of having it in the moment. Because I remember going grocery shopping with my grandparents. I would always try to convince them to get this and they'd go sit down. I think all kids did that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, that is interesting because in, uh, in my grandmother's house, she was always baking, right? yeah so there there was always like apple pie there was bran muffins and uh, and all that sort of stuff but then um to have the 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 pre-packaged stuff that was the stuff that we you're right we didn't have thinking back that's that's very true man yeah that's very true now like in 
I think in high school, like integrating with all those South End kids. Looking back on our discussion, we failed to explain the delineation that existed in Halifax at the time. The South End of Halifax was very rich, very white. The West End of Halifax was working class, but mostly white. And the North End of Halifax was again working class, but predominantly black. These neighborhoods all border on a huge set of sports field called the Commons. Near the Commons is where our high school, Queen Elizabeth, was located, and a cross-section of kids from all these neighborhoods went to QE. Sometimes it wasn't a smooth thing. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Right. Like we, didn't, we didn't have a lot in common with some of these guys. Like, even though I think we, we, we kind of floated in and amongst these Southern kids pretty well, and we were invited to the parties and stuff like that. But looking back, we didn't really have a lot in common with them, huh? No, yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. But I think over time, as you develop friendships, yeah, you know, you know, we wanted to be more like them, and maybe they wanted to be more like us a little bit. So that's how friendships developed in the high school years, mm. and just people that you know were brought together over sports or different things you had in common that way. Yeah, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we were also adaptable to. Uh, so in social circles, pretty much anyone you put us in, like we'd be the group that would just be off. But it, people would be like, oh, those guys are kind of cool. So mm. on the peripheral that we'd be there because we were fun. We were funny. You know, people loved hanging out with us. So I think, uh, Chad, you're right about the friendships that uh, eventually took over. But do you did you guys ever think you had to be someone else uh in order to get their attention that you in a place where you didn't feel like yeah. you would be accepted you know what i mean i think to a certain degree yeah because really? i remember in high school yeah you would dress differently and, and I, I think my brother was the same way it's like i don't know if it was a little bit preppy or whatever like you're wearing polo and all this these different mm -hmm. brands but i think again you're trying to fit into where you were at the time and i i definitely think i would be dressing trying to be more like you know, I want that for myself later in life. So I was trying to, yeah. you know, emulate what they look like a little bit, I guess. And as yeah. opposed to, you know, where we grew up in Cowie Hill, Jay and, and Klein Heights, you know, I don't know if many people were wearing like big name brands and stuff like that. You couldn't no. afford it. Maybe Levi's. once in a while you could, <laughs> you know, maybe at Christmas time you get one or something like that. Yeah. There was always an out, an outfit that you wore on Fridays. <laughs> you dress up everyone. First day of school. So, yeah, first day of school. And then Friday, for some reason, everyone was dre dressing up like some weird fashion shows. <laughs> but I know I was in there. I was doing up my hair and, you know, and everything like that. And had a couple yeah. pairs of nice clothes. But also, uh, my grandparents, just because of the involvement in their church and everything like that, clothes appearance was always very well important. yeah you had your yeah. sunday right. best right yeah you yeah. had your sunday best i but, uh, yeah it's um i don't think i ever paid high school i didn't pay attention i think i was you know i was just doing my thing man and yeah. i i wore jock stuff all the time anyway <laughs> that's true you know what he, i mean sweat in his jogging pants yeah jogging <laughs> we were just pants. playing football all the time yeah. Jock, that's right yeah like yeah. sweatpants and all that sort of thing. And, yeah. and uh, you know, I don't think I ever came out of that because according to my wife, Vanessa, like I, I still dress like that. 
But, uh, oh, I definitely do now. Yeah, it's funny <laughs> when though. I was younger, I, I wasn't, but yeah, yeah. We grew I'm up. Older, we grew yeah. up in a. We grew up in an era of name brands too. Like mm. so that that's that what hit us changed. in our face. No, especially when we started following basketball and all those things, and you know, we wanted Nike and we wanted Reeboks and you know Pumas mm. and everything like that. And I also wanted all that stuff because it was cool. Because I was always sort of into breakdancing and hip hop mm. and right. sort of always wanted to emulate that b-boy style i often couldn't but uh i would often you know uh uh have a, a good pair of sneakers only because i played a lot of sports which i was mm -hmm. happy for because my grandparents allowed me to at least have that if anything because it didn't really cost a lot of money other than um you know maybe membership fees or something at dalhousie yeah. that we used to go yeah. to all the time. yeah yeah, yeah. Now, you know, it's interesting that you brought that up jay uh i was just thinking about sports and when we were younger, though, I think that's a big difference between us and, and neighborhoods like Springvale and and, and the South End was mm -hmm. we, you know, our families couldn't afford to put us in, in, um, you know, like the, um, the basketball camps mm -hmm. and all hockey camps, all these different things that, you know, so you didn't grow up in the system where you would be able to foster your skills and develop and, and be able to get on better teams. And mm -hmm. the kids that are going from these other neighborhoods, you know, they had all the programs yeah. so that they were able to develop and succeed later on when they were in high yeah. school, university years. Yeah. 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 That's an interesting point, Chad, because uh, the, um, the Bantam ball football club that I played with the chargers, they were, they were seen as uh, probably one of the best development programs be just before high school. Right. And right. there was a bunch of kids that came in from everywhere else down to the North end to try out for this team. Like, you know, like, um, yeah. oh, God, I forget his name, man. Uh, last name was Boyd. John Boyd, John Boyd, John Boyd came and he, I played Bantam ball with him for like two years. Right. And his, his father brought him down there because, because of the coaching mm -hmm. of that team. Right. right? And, um, like there, everyone else were just neighborhood kids from the park. Yeah. Except for right. John Boyd. And there was a couple other kids. I forget their names, man. But, mm -hmm. you know, from the South end and in the West, end, like just coming down to play ball and learn so yeah. that they could then move on to a, a good high school program and then eventually university. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so they, but they, they could afford to, bring their kids in they would drive their kids into practice right. every day yeah yeah <laughs> you know yeah. what i mean yeah if it was somewhere yeah. else we it wasn't happening for us so no we had know. a car back then too but it was from time to time it would always be broken broke down mm -hmm. so yeah. mm. you, you couldn't always rely on transportation either because i mean when i was younger i had to take the bus everywhere even yeah. into university days i didn't have a car mm -hmm. so i was riding my mountain bike everywhere because yeah. that was the best mode of transportation that i could well, afford at the time that was all three of us though we all had all over this and i miss those days i yeah. I, I really do i used yeah. to i tell my kids all the time i said i used to mountain bike from Everywhere. SMU up to clayton park to yeah. to wherever yeah and i, I said it didn't bother me at all i was i was yeah. fine with it getting to price like no yeah getting to price club through the industrial park and everything Lace, like that Lacewood drive yeah yeah, yeah. going down Lacewood. Going to meet D at down at the tennis courts there. <laughs> oh yeah, at the Commons. Yeah, yeah. we were riding everywhere, man. Yeah, yeah. So the Chad want to ask you though because um because we both have kids, right? Do you see any type of uh, like 
like uh, behaviors that have kind of folded over to your kids from your upbringing when it comes to living in, because we're both, uh, we're not in low income households right now. Like we both earn yeah. a, a substantial amount of money and we've been able to do things for our kids that um, right. we didn't have. Right. Right. But do you see any like, like little behaviors or attitudes that have rolled over? Cause it's, 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 I, it's, on, it's subconscious, right? The way that we act. Is. There's a hundred percent this carryover because yeah. in my life now it's, you know, like when I was younger, I didn't have the money to get all the best sneakers. So I mm. have to like grab my brothers and hope he wouldn't find out or whatever. So now it's like, I, you know, I have some sneakers and now I see my son, he's got like this addiction for, you know, Jordan Lowe's and, and all these <laughs> other, so I, and he spends way more money than I do. Like I, yeah. I don't want to spend a lot of money on sneakers. Mm. Once in a while, I'll buy something, but it's always because it's a deal. Like I don't want to pay regular price for anything. Yeah, but he he's different. Like he will. He'll be like if he has savings, he'll like no, I want those, and he's he wants to have that. So I I think he got that for me, wanting to have things that he doesn't have. And but mm. I, I think it's the culture today too. Is they yeah. want all these names, and you know it's. Well, I mean, the the world is run by corporations and brands that still up in your face all the time. And you just kind of want to keep up with appearances, right? When you do go out, you naturally want to look good and and feel good. And I mean, the price price point is probably a lot different than it was for us. But but still, I remember it was it was all relative. You know what I mean? I remember playing badminton i'd had to, i wanted the best rackets and oh you know, yeah the, the best yeah. best sneakers but the the thing that the the difference being which i think that carried on uh for me was uh learning how to survive even based off watching my grandparents do what they did like i started working young when i was you know 15 16 years old and we all had jobs yeah exactly we yeah. and uh you know and then that th- those wants even uh carried over because I had my job, but I didn't, I didn't ask my grandparents for, for stuff like I did. Like I didn't want to bother them because I, as I got older, I was like, Oh, they, they actually don't have a lot of money. So once I started right. making my own, yeah, that's I, point, I, right? I started, um, you know, I mean, working at the gas station, I made a hundred dollars a week, but I didn't pay any rent. And that was a lot of money back then. Right. So, mm. so you I, think it was like when you were 15, when you realized that, you know, Oh, we're not in a great predicament now. And, and, you know, maybe I do want more, so I'm going to have to work. I'm going to have to do something. And when you're younger, like when we were talking about earlier, like you don't notice that because you're just in your, you know, you're just growing up. It's it's all, you know, Mm -hmm. but maybe when you hit that, those years, that 14 to 16 range, it's like, Oh yeah, we don't, we don't really have that much money or something's changed in your family and your lifestyle changed a little bit. It's interesting though. That's probably why we got our jobs and we started saying, listen, we had some drive because if, if I'm going to, if I want these things or if I want to do something, I'm going to have to work. Yeah. It's on me. Right. So, yeah. yeah. But and, I, I don't know if that was a positive thing. Cause there, there were um, like, for example, the three of us in, I think we, we can blame Chad for this. Cause you got the paper route first, right? <laughs> like an adult paper route, man. Yeah. Like, like yeah. I, know, I know there was a point where we're saying, okay, we got to earn money, got to earn money, but right. We were we were probably earning less than minimum wage. <laughs> yeah, it was it was ridiculous. You're just happy to have money. I just think. happy to have money, but um, like that that drive to work no matter what, 
like uh in not valuing our time i think i don't that's a detrimental thing though man like i can and that yeah. did transfer into adulthood there was there was some yeah. jobs that i had that i'm you know working overly hard for uh, a little amount of pay right mm-hmm. yeah um, I, I i agree with you i don't think in until my 40s i realized you know that that adage of working smarter not harder yeah. was something that you should focus on because it I think when you're younger and and I don't know if it has anything to do with how you're brought up or or your or your income and your family but you know when you're growing up I think you're as a young uh professional you do you want to make an impression you want to work hard you want to try to climb the ladder or whatever I don't think until my 40s I realized like that's not the way to do it like and yeah. I wish I would have known in my 20s that that's not the way to do it so yeah. that's what I try to teach my son now it's like mm-hmm. you don't have to work crazy amount of hours you just have to be smarter than the next guy and you yeah, have to yeah. come up with a different way of approaching something mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah but it, it's true though but i think the way we were raised and the way we grew up i think it was just instilled in us to to work and the fact that we didn't have what we you know what we what we didn't have growing up i think our instinct was survival and if we could just survive and do what we want you know things would would come to us because we had each other we had our jobs we 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 were pretty productive 20 years olds and you know we were very busy but there were some things we missed out on uh that we could have probably paid a little bit more in uh attention to but it was all about how can we make our lives better than than it was before even though we got all the you know what our parents could give us or grandparents could give us they gave us what they could give us and they instilled in us an ability to survive um but sometimes lower income people they like you said before chad you don't always get the nurturing you need to follow some dreams or aspirations but Mm -hmm. you do get that subconscious thing i'm gonna survive i'm gonna survive and i think that can take you well i mean there's nothing wrong with it but that's what takes you that no, that can be a guiding force in life you know what i mean yeah so, I mean, not everybody has that either i think some yeah. people you know they just stay in what they know and yeah. but i also think sometimes it's, as well yeah and i also think the it, it is detrimental in some ways if you oh, look yeah, at it definitely from that man. lens you know yeah, yeah. like so, like i was mm-hmm. talking about the subconscious thing and, and the lasting effects of coming from a low-income household and um like the other day I was trying to take my daughter to lunch because she had the day off of school. And I was like, you know, she was chilling. And I said, you know, let's go. We'll go to uh, St. Lawrence Market. And she was like, oh, you don't have to spend that money. And I'm like, it's just lunch, though. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then I was thinking, geez, man, what what have I subconsciously said in the past that might bring her to the fact that I, I don't really want to pay for something little as lunch, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's interesting too because, like, she's she's trying to tell you she save money, yeah. And I think that's one of the things that I would say say to my kids too. Like now, it's like save your money, don't buy mm. a lot of stuff. You know, if you need something, or if you want, you know, for a present or something, if you want a pair of sneakers, like it's no problem. But I said your own money, like that's what I want to try to give to my kids is like save money and try to mm. start off because I mean, me and you, D, we had big student student loans, yeah. so I don't want my I didn't want my kids having student loans. So I'm like, put your money away, get mm-hmm. good, good, good grades, try mm-hmm. to get a scholarship. And, you know, it's my kids have been, you know, I guess, grateful. And they I think they understand 
the adage of saving a, a buck or two. And my mm-hmm. son, maybe not as much as my daughter, but uh, <laughs> he 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 comes by it honestly, right? So yeah, but also collectively, like even like our you know the children. Look what's going on in the world, right? Like you know, inflation, everything like that, and they may not know how much money you guys have, right? And they know they've yeah. always been, uh, you know, taken care of growing up. But at the same time, in the outside world, prices are going up everywhere. <clears throat> so that's also a thing that collectively, whether you're an adult or whether you're a child, we still see that how the world is suffering. So I think that kicks in, which is also a ripple effect of how that's you really, raised anyway. You know, really good point because yeah. my kids are growing up in the era of spending, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that's why we're dealing with all this inflation and we're trying to raise all the interest rates now. But they grew up when everybody was spending money and the interest rates were like 1% and like my mortgage yeah. is like 1.4% yeah, yeah, yeah. for, for mm-hmm. the longest time. So it's, it, it's crazy. But now it's, I think things are turning around. My both, both of my kids have to put gas in cars. So they're recognizing, wow, this costs a lot of money. And then mm-hmm. it's and my daughter. Now she saves a lot of money and she's like, I only do things I have to do and I'm going to yeah. save my money. I know I'm going to be on my own soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll have a job, but I'll, you know, I, I have bills and, you know, she's living on her own now, so she, mm. she's starting to see it. My son's not quite there yet, yeah, but he will. I mean, he'll he'll see it soon enough. Yeah, and we and we all kind of had these like kind of responsibilities at a young age, like even in our early twenties, man. Like some yeah. some things. I mean, I can't speak for everybody, but uh, you know, a lot of the people that we grew up with or, or went to high school or or, or were in different uh, an income bracket, they might not have uh, been through what we've been through, and whether we know it or not what we've been through will pass on to our kids some some way in some weird osmosis way of you know what i mean and i think it used to affect me when i was younger yeah where you know i was insecure about it Mm -hmm. but now now i don't care because i'm you know i've done okay and i'm not worried about what other people think anymore but i I think when i was younger i I did and i think that goes back to our, our younger days of you know going going to neighborhoods that you know there was you know so called rich kids yeah. And we we're trying to fit in, so to speak. And maybe not everybody was doing that. I know I was for sure, um, you know, trying to wear better clothes and, you know, trying to act a little bit different. Like, mm-hmm. um, but anyway, it's I, I do think people probably, oh, where are you from? And where did you grow up in, in Halifax? And you say, oh, I grew up in Spryfield. And like, and and then that's the end of the conversation. Right. So it's you can already <laughs> tell that. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's 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 interesting, man. Like, uh, you know, running in different uh, circles, and and um, it not that it's a detrimental thing, Chad, but like you can, if if someone says, you know, where are you from, you could actually say instead of Sprite, I'm I'm from Halifax. That's right. true, yeah. right? I you know what I think I used to say that, but now probably last ten years, if somebody says where I'm from, I say I'm from Spryfield. Yeah, because that's where I grew up. Yeah. Halifax, you know, I mean, as it's not a big city, but as we know, there's different areas. So oh, yeah, you grew definitely. up in Dartmouth or Coal Harbor. You grew up in up uh, the same Argus Bay Road where I used to live for a bit with my family, right? So, mm. Mm. and I think even a little bit of insecurity comes out when it's, when you say later on in my life, mm. you know, oh, and I, you know, I spent some time on Kumpel Road trying to make myself look better. <laughs> and and, and it, I, I knew I was doing that. And I was like, why am I doing that? And Yeah, I, exactly. Yeah. And then at one point I say, screw it. Like, I don't, I don't care. Like I'm yeah. broken private. That's where I'm from. So it is what yeah. it is. 
Well, we're afraid to be judged, you know, yeah. and, you know, exactly. and, and, and yeah, we want to fit in, you know, I, I was always trying to be the funny dude that people would just like having around. That was my coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. And I, I blended in all worlds. Well, like, you know what I mean? I'd Absolutely go, I, I'd yeah. go to Springvale, man, three or four people would come up and say, Jay, you want to come to my house for lunch? Jay, you went yeah. every day. I didn't even have to worry about, you know, God bless Evelyn, my grandmother, Evelyn soul. She wasn't a very good cook, not even sandwiches. <laughs> so um, I was like, yeah, man, like, let me keep this sandwich, that boiled ham sandwich away. And I'll go, to, <laughs> I'll go to Rick's house and have a wagon wheel and an egg sandwich for lunch. What the heck? You know, that's what I was like. Wow, this is some gourmet stuff. Yeah. But um, and that's how I adapted uh, to, to fit in, Chad. Like, you know, like you say, that's who I tried to be. I tried to be everyone's luckable likable guy and everyone could come to me for anything and it worked for a long long time until it didn't work for me it worked in those situations but uh but really in the end as you get older older, like you're just like you gotta be happy with yourself right but it's so funny of what we do to adapt based on from where we came from to fit in but you know those those all our kids are going to do it. You know, our, our families, our relatives, we've all had to do it in some shape or form, you know? Yeah. But you know what? I think, I think, you know, growing up in, in the neighborhoods that we did, um, I think it helps us, you know, we had to struggle a little bit. We had to work when we were young, you know, and it it gives you a good work ethic and, Hmm. you know, you want to strive for something. And, and if, if, if you need, if you lose your job and you need to pick up another job, like some people, it would, it would kill them. Yeah. And I think from what we had to go through, you know, I think that we're better prepared to be able to pick up and, and mm-hmm. start over again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that's a good point. Like right now at 50. No, I don't want us to do that again right yeah. now. But. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> but mental mental fortitude is, is something I think, uh, you know, that sort of was passed down to us. Like I can look at my grandfather and go, that guy was strong mentally. And I think. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. I try to, I try to emulate that if anything, right. you know what I mean? Cause right. you know, when, when he, I can remember when he was in the hospital, he would, he was getting me ready. He was prepping me. He would start telling me things and we'd have these talks and he was oh, teaching okay. me how to be a man. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, I listened, I listened and I observed and how old uh, were you then? I was t- 20. He passed away when I was 21. Right. Mm. So, and and I had already kind of been on my own two years prior to that because he'd been living in the Camp Hill. So I was taking care of the home. I was paying the bills and all this sort of stuff. So I was in this place. And then he started whispering things in my ear, telling me some of the things that he went through. And, uh, you know, it was the mental fortitude that I knew he had, despite mm. whatever he went through in his life now that i look back and and have examined his life and re- recall oh, yeah. some of those stories I'm like, he had oh, enormous strength yeah. how did you how did you manage yeah. so yeah. um if like i said that's why i'm so proud of you guys as friends of what you can pass on in that way to your to your kids because you you both had to have a lot of it as well you know mm-hmm. we all did mm-hmm. right so yeah. honestly i wouldn't have changed i wouldn't change anything it wouldn't change anything yeah for me i don't i wouldn't want to change anything mm. yeah you no know, because like i said you know you had to struggle a little bit i mean that's that's one thing i have to, you know i worry about my kids a little bit they never had to struggle they yeah, never had to do anything i know huh? <laughs> so but i think you know me and renee you know we both came from that same background yeah. so you know, i think we're both there to keep them steady 
and mm. and guide them throughout their life you know all their phases you know when they're kids and you know when you're you know playing with other kids and somebody wants to fight you don't don't start fights you know i tell my yeah. son to finish them but don't start them but as they get older it's like you save a job you know you have a job save some money spend a little bit save you know i mean me and renee have been saving since our 20s and we're trying to get our kids to do the same thing yeah but i i that's the only thing i worry about is i'm not gonna i don't want to change anything from how i grew up but i also want to try to take some of the things that i learned over the years and give it to them so that yeah. they maybe they don't have to struggle as much but they are aware of what they need to do to succeed at the same time yeah that well, struggle and that life experience kind of thing right it's mm-hmm. uh it is right. it is a worry. and they're not gonna yeah. and they're not gonna know it until they get on their own because yeah it's true they have to experience it it's um but to have the the, the positive thing is that to have that uh safety net of you right right where where well you they can... know they and that's the thing they, yeah. they know they have that that's yeah. I, I just didn't want to come across as parents not being there, which they were in full effect. Or in Everybody's the ways, situation was different, yeah, and, and or in the ways that they could be. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, yeah. no, they, yeah, they were yeah. they were they were focused on survival. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Ne- next yeah. meal and yeah, and yeah. paying for uh, putting a roof over. Our heads. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, this is definitely just um, like we we've been able to get to a point where that's not an issue. No, I know. I know. Right? I wasn't Just, worried about the money part of it. I was more, I was more concerned with, you know, having somebody to guide me. Like, mm-hmm. you know, my, my father was non-existent in yeah. my life for the most part. And my, yeah. so I had a stepdad, but he was almost non-existent, even though I live with him. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, and then my, and my mom, of course she did everything she could, but yeah. you know, you, you're missing that male guidance. Right. Yeah. And that's, I think a lot of families are, can, kind of relate to that yeah Mm -hmm. yeah well that's why i think chad that's why we spent so much time together growing up like you know what i mean outside playing sports because we you know my grandfather was always around but he was always involved with the church well up he was busy yeah yeah yeah, oh into his 90s like that Mm, was his thing and there was no way i was nothing was coming in between that so yeah Yeah. the our male role models were you know our older brothers or 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 the neighborhood people or the the, the people, people in, that we people on the, sports teams that yeah we that we use play we learn to play basketball from you know and uh, or and, maybe a coach or something yeah or, yeah or, i remember and, like miss was it pat dumpy at uh major stevens major stevens yeah yeah he was you know, uh, he had a lot of conversations with him yeah and he, he probably same thing with you with with football and stuff in at mm. qb yeah, yeah, yeah. They just uh, there was there was a lot of people, including my stepfather. There was a lot of uh, uh, right. male people that were around that were that stepped into that role, right? Yeah, yeah. And right. you know, my I don't I don't fault my father. Father, <clears throat> father, being a parent is hard. Yeah, very it much is. So. It is not for everyone. Mm-hmm. So you say I, fatherhood is hard. It is. I'd say fatherhood. The hardest day is the first day when you got to change that diaper. That was <laughs> that is life changing. Literally, I had a whole and you know what? I had two kids, and every time I had to change a diaper, I held my breath for as many years as I changed diapers. <laughs> I wish I I wish I had masks uh, like you do now with COVID back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah, man. It's, All right, uh, you, it's you been guys quite have a journey. Any uh, any Closing comments about this subject, low income, low income household. Um, not really. <laughs> nah. It's funny. It's funny how that I think 
the three of us and, and including Chris, Chris didn't come from low income, but we bonded, you know, in, in our high school days. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I married my wife who also came from a kind of a low income. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting how like, you know, you can have lots of friends, but I think at the end of the day, you go back to where you come from, you came from. Yeah, man. Yeah, and your friends and, and who you yeah. might marry and, and, mm -hmm. and whatnot. So, yeah, it's it's true. Well, I mean, like you were saying, like, you know, we might not have had the 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 the, the role models we needed all of the time. But like, and right. not to sound corny again, we formed these bonds, right, that helped right. us guide each other. Like, you know, we always had each yeah. other's back, right? And, you know, Absolutely. we weren't bad kids. We were working. We were doing all these things. We were, we had each Paying other. taxes. And, yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and for us to... To for us to know where we come from, we already knew what we each went through, and I think that always brings you together more because you you recognize you know game recognizes game, and and a struggle isn't so much of a struggle if you have other people who are struggling the same, and they're not going to judge you because of it. Because sometimes you don't even want people to know what you're struggling with because you're mm, afraid of that, true. right? Yeah, and true, life true. is a struggle, but uh, once you find your your crew and your tribe, and and know that you know where we came from was a good place i think that's why the bond lasted so long yeah. you know true true now we have to get everyone off to vegas man <laughs> yeah no that's the, seriously we gotta go yeah. gotta go to vegas you have been listening to down home subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts on a high plateau from the one down below to the future of the funk getting lost in the flow contact with the spot mckex now it's time to flex with the force from the soul reaching all aspects getting deep no time to sleep as you reach your next phase laying it all on the line new trail start to blaze it's a fire inside a brand new path breaking down the sum to one feeling free i just laugh with the song breaking new ground from the breakdown like magic prescribed only to see the perfect blend like a diamond in the rough ready to drop a perfect gem it's time to shine so fine to see what you find